G'day and welcome to the Outpost Church Podcast. It has been said that to focus on prayer is like trying to focus on the windscreen when trying to drive. Prayer is just the means by which we communicate with God. It is God that we seek to focus on more than prayer. We are eager to grow in our prayer lives, but we are convicted that the best way to do that is by focusing more on the person of Jesus. And with him front and center, there are some things that are helpful for us to know, things that will grow our prayer lives. And in this series, we're hitting up three. And it also happens to be the title of a very corny, very cheesy 90s pop song, Truly, Madly, Deeply. And we hope that this frees you up to pray more as the real you meets with the real God. God bless you. Does anyone remember a song by the Lemonheads? Does anyone remember the Lemonheads? There's a band from the 90s. They sang a song called The Outdoor Type. Anyone ever heard it? The repeated line is, I lied about being the outdoor type. And it's an interesting one. And I can relate to wanting people to think I was a certain way when it isn't actually the truth. I remember wanting the, the car guys to think I was more of a car guy, wanting the geeks to think I was more of a geek. Uh, but it translated into other areas as well. So I remember going to Bible college and wanting to be a really spiritual person, like getting to share and overdoing it and making statements that really weren't accurate because I was trying to present an image. I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. And I recall being with actually Nigel and Belinda, who a lot of you know, and we were at a juvenile detention centre and we're doing a program in there and pretty much all the content was focused around different masks that we can wear. And on the first day of this three-day program, one of the kids leaves and he spoke to someone on the way out and just said, look, my masks are how I survive in here. I'm not going to do this. And he left the program. And I think for all of us, we can relate to that. We can relate to a sense of feeling like we have to project something. And there's all sorts of motivations for it. Sometimes we feel like we're doing it for the benefit of the other person. Uh, but certainly much of the time it's to further our own cause. But getting back to what I said before around being in Bible college and feeling like I needed to be a, more of a spiritual person, I recall these two people who really stood out to me in the way that they prayed. And if I'm honest, like it was only today that I put language to this and when I was jealous of the way that they prayed. Their passion, I was jealous of. Their ability to articulate, I was jealous of. And it's interesting how messed up that is. And it's helpful to put language to these things. It's helpful to be able to reflect on where we are at and, and how things truly are. I want you to turn to John chapter 4. There are some Bibles down here. Obviously, there's the backlit version as well, which many of you have. So we are turning to John chapter 4 and having a look at a very famous passage, often called The Woman at the Well. And Jesus says a very famous line. I wonder if anyone can can finish it off. 
You must worship me in spirit and in truth. So the context is that he's speaking to this woman and he has, this is sandwiched between a couple of very significant truth bombs. So the first one is that he has just called out her past and her history. So he tells her to go and get her husband and she's like, I have no husband. And he says, yes, that's right. You've actually had five husbands and the man that you now have is not your husband it was right for you to say that you don't have a husband. And then her response will pick up in verse 19. Sir, this is John chapter 4 from verse 19. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. What do you think she meant by worship? So when we picture worship... Most of the time we're thinking of what we just did. So singing songs. What do you think was on her mind when she talks about worship? Paying homage and sacrifice. Most likely she was actually thinking about sacrifice, like an animal, sacrificing an animal when she talks about worship. And it's interesting because people will often reflect on her response. So Jesus has just called out some hard truths about her life and then it looks as though she's just kind of deflected that a bit and she's, oh, enough about me, clearly you're a prophet. And then she starts talking about worship. She's probably talking about the sacrifice for sin required for things that have happened in her life. And then Jesus' response is, believe me, woman, An hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. So for the Samaritans, they held to the first five books, the Pentateuch, first five books of Moses that you find in the Old Testament, but not the rest. Um, And so Jesus is saying there's more that... The Jews understand and know. Verse 23, But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And he repeats it. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. All right, quick survey. Can you have a look down and have a look at the word spirit in verse 23 and verse 24 when it says, about the Father, sorry, in spirit and in truth. Worship the Father in spirit and truth. Is that spirit? Does it have a capital S? Raise your hand if the version in front of you has a capital S. All right, look around the room so we can see there's a decent number. All right, raise your hand if it's a lowercase s. So there's a few. It's a pretty even split amongst amongst translations. So the, the CSB which is the one that I've just been reading out of and the one that we have here, has it as a capital S and other translations have it as a lowercase. And so the implications of that are some translations are saying we must worship him in the Holy Spirit because it's capitalising because it's God himself. And the ones that do a lowercase s are talking about this is from the core of who we are, the core of our being. They're quite different things. 
And people are quite passionate about both of those different concepts. Like, but which one is it? Well, today I'm here to tell you that opinion is divided on this. <laughs> I'm a CSB man and I do go with in the Holy Spirit. The reason people say that it's not the Holy Spirit is that it doesn't say the Spirit. It just says Spirit. But it is just said, my argument is, it is just said God is Spirit and those who worship must worship in Spirit and in truth. And it's the same word, same word that's used there. God is Spirit. We must worship in Spirit and in truth. In a practical sense, I don't think it makes a lot of difference. And I think that we need to worship from the core of who we are and we need to worship in the Holy Spirit. So I think both of those things are true. But it's still reasonable to try and work out what was actually intended um, by this. But you've got the next part that is far less ambiguous where he says the truth. Must worship in spirit and in truth. And it's repeated. Both things are repeated. And he's just called out a truth about this particular woman. You've had five husbands, the man you now have is not your husband. But he's about to reveal an even bigger truth. So verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Boom. He's just told her that he is the Messiah, the long-awaited uh, one, the anointed one. It's huge. And for, for us, as we worship, and, and I'll, as I consider how I pray, I need to pray in spirit and in truth. And if I reflect on my upbringing, I reflect on my life as a, as a teenager, as a young adult, my prayer life was, well, I prayed in groups a lot more than I prayed on my own. I prayed on my own, but there wasn't a lot of structure to it. I brought my own insecurities. I brought my own unsureness of who I was into praying in a group. And like I said, I was literally jealous of the way other people prayed. So as I'm praying in a group, I am more focused on what other people are thinking of me as I'm praying than I am on the one that I'm praying to. Fortunately, I've been completely free of that for 70... No. It's something that I'm unlearning. It's this thing where I had this understanding of prayer where it actually became a performance. And I was bringing what I thought I was supposed to say. I wasn't bringing myself. I was bringing what I thought I should be presenting. And I was bringing that. I talked about it a few weeks ago. There's a, a quote that says, when we think about prayer and we're like focusing on praying, it's kind of like trying to drive while focusing on the windscreen rather than looking through it. The windscreen is just there to make it easy for us to see. Prayer is just there to connect us 
to God. It's the conversation where the real us meets the real God. And if we're doing some kind of performance, if we're just going through some ritual, it's not actual prayer. We're not connecting ourselves with him. And if we don't address how we're really going, then how we are really going will ambush our prayer time. If we don't address it at the front, then we'll find ourselves reverting back to thinking about the thing or the things that are causing us anxiety. Paul Miller, I was talking about his book a couple of weeks ago. Rob's borrowed it. He's happy to loan it to someone else to pass it on if anyone's keen. He um, says that we actually, ironically, often need to worry before we pray. We're actually real about what's going on for us. And then that is what we bring to him. And this whole area of emotional awareness is really significant. And we need to be self-aware in order to bring what's really going on to God. And if, if you've ex- had an experience a bit like mine where you're sort of in this routine of praying, in this thing of like, all right, I go through the motions, I know the things, the kinds of things that are appropriate to say in prayer, and you're more familiar with praying in groups than you are in praying alone, it probably resonates with you, the struggle that I shared earlier. But if we can be more familiar in praying alone, we have so much more to bring when we pray in a group because we can be completely honest. And those excuses that we might have for why we don't bring our real self to other people, like maybe they can't handle it, maybe they're not in a place where it's good for them to hear the stuff that's going on from us, those excuses just don't cut it when it comes to communicating with God. He can handle it. Have you read the Psalms? Psalm 88, my paraphrase, my life sucks and it's all your fault. The most common form of Psalm is lament. Over and over again, it's unresolved stuff and it's just being brought to God. It's just, sometimes it's in an accusatory tone. How dare you? Why is it like this? Why don't you? He can handle it. We're not going to offend him by bringing what's really going on. And sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's going to be bad. Sometimes it's going to be ugly. Whatever's going on, it's appropriate to bring our real self to God. So praying alone is a really important part of that and just getting into into that zone. We can fall, you know, if you've got the classic analogy of the road and then a ditch on either side, when it comes to the emotional side of things, like one side of the ditch is that we are so focused on our emotions. One of the beautiful things about Jesus being Lord is that no one and no other thing is Lord over us. If we are so in touch with our emotions but we let our emotions dominate us, 
they become our Lord. And so we won't do something because we don't feel like doing it. We will do something only because we feel like doing it. And so we are under the thumb of our emotions. But then on the other side, if we deny our emotions and just stuff them down, don't acknowledge, don't process, that's unhealthy as well. We want to be able to be honest about what's going on, but not let it dominate us. This is the small T truth. This is the truth about how we are going. And that's what Jesus called out about this woman before he made that statement about worshipping him in spirit and in truth. But there's something that's even bigger and more significant, and that is the big T truth of who he is, which is an absolute game changer. If we're going to worship him, if we're going to pray to him in spirit and in truth, there'll be the real us connecting with the real God, not a figment of our imagination, not something that we've assumed and then put the name of Jesus onto. So for us to continually come back to Scripture and go, what is Jesus really like? What is God really like? To be renewed in the spirit of our minds as we focus on the truth is a game changer when it comes to our prayer life and in connecting with him. It's the real us connecting with the real him, not a figment of our imagination. And it's ridiculous, isn't it, to try and present something other than our real selves to God? It's like when my three-year-old daughter Eden tries to trick me with something and she's like hiding something behind her back and like literally moving kind of like this and looking at me and looking really guilty in the process. It is more obvious to God than it is to me when Eden does that when we are presenting something other than ourselves. And I think often it's that way with each other. We can see when we're not actually being real with each other, perhaps better than we realise. He knows it anyway, so why wouldn't we be real? With Eden, how good when she actually is honest with me, yes, and confesses. Even though I know it, to have her talk about it matters. And it's a similar thing with, with God. He knows about it anyway. He knows what's really going for us, but he delights in having us share that with him. I want us to dive into a couple of different um, activities. So up the back, I've got two different options. And what I want us to do is to do something that will either help us in this area of just being honest with God about what's going on for us, or help us with getting to know who he is better. So I want you to have a think about what you feel like you need most at the moment. Is it a clearer picture of who God is, or do you need to be more honest with how you're going? I'm going to talk through these two different options. So option one is from a book that some of you are familiar with, um, How to Unhurry, which is a companion guide to John Mark Comer's uh, book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And so there's a few exercises in this, and one of them 
is feeling and listening prayer. And it's a, a process. So I've got it in a couple of forms. So one is you've got these sheets. The other is in the book. If you've got, pick up one of these books, then it's just exercise number two in the book. If you pick up one of these, um, then it's the only thing that's on there. Um, with this, like, feel free to take this home with you. If you grab one of the booklets, then just pop it back afterwards. So I'll talk you through um, a bit of it. So step two in this is let yourself feel. What emotions rise to the surface of your heart? You might feel joy, gratitude, sadness, emptiness, fatigue, worry, guilt, and shame. Name each emotion and then let it pass through you. It's an interesting process. And I encourage if you do this to read it through in full first and then to go through and follow the instructions. But this is a process where you're actually committing how you're going to God. And if you haven't done it before, it can feel really weird. But I encourage you just to follow the instructions. You get to part four and there's a heap of questions. We won't have time for you to go through each of those questions. So just which one stands out to you and then sit with that question and go with it. For this, I want you to find a spot where you feel like you can be comfortable. It might be going into your car. It's one thing as a... Um, as a preacher, to invite people to close their eyes. It's a dangerous, vulnerable thing as a preacher because you never know who's going to fall asleep. Also a dangerous thing to invite people to go into their cars early because, you know, well, actually, I might just go home. Um, but I encourage you to find a spot, whether it's in here, whether it's somewhere around the grounds, whether it's on the toilet. There's not too many of those available. But just find a spot where you can relax, where you're not conscious, not self-conscious, um, but you're just able to, to go with it. So the idea of this one is silence and solitude. However, if you end up saying some things out loud, that is totally up to you. Um, so that's the first option. Second option, if you can turn your Bibles to Psalm 139. So option one is around you just acknowledging how you're going, bringing that to God. Option two is declaring the truth about who he is. But it's an interesting psalm, this one, because it, it also declares who we are in the process. So let's read Psalm 139 together. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits... Even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day, darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked. You bloodthirsty men, stay away from me. Who invoke you deceitfully, your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. It's such a jarring section, isn't it? Towards the end of... You didn't notice it? Oh, there's, there's one part in there. I'm joking. There's plenty of times it's been used devotionally and verses 19 to 22 have been omitted. Um, it's intense. But I love it that he follows up with, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So this is a chance for us to do Discovery Bible Method. And we've only got about 10 minutes, and so I encourage you just to select probably two verses and to dive into those two verses. And it might be that you really want to do more than that, feel free, but in 10 minutes I reckon two verses is about right. So we're going to, if you can stand up, I've got pens and clipboards. If you choose the Discovery Bible Method and reading through Psalm 139, focusing on that, then you'll need a pen and a clipboard um, and you will need some paper. Did I put paper there? I don't know if I did. Um, do you know where it is, Lockie, in the, next to the printer? There's a bunch of paper in there. Thank you. Who is leaning towards doing the Discovery Bible Method for Psalm 139? So you'll need the shorter sheet of paper that's on the right-hand side of the table. Who's leaning towards doing the feeling and listening prayer and sitting with that? So that's the left-hand side of the table, the booklets or these sheets of paper. Uh, if you take one of these, you may want to take a pen with you just in case. Um, but the idea of this one is more just to express it um, and get it off your chest. It's optional if you want to write it down. Are there any questions before we begin? If you do go out to your car or go somewhere a bit further away, I encourage you to set a timer. Um, I find setting a timer really helpful because you, then you don't have to think about what time it is. Something's going to go off and alert you after 10 minutes. Any questions? All right, so we have about 10 minutes. Grab what you need. Feel free to use this space. Feel free to go somewhere else. Feel free to go for a walk. It's up to you. It hasn't been an easy process for me to learn how to, to feel and to respond to those feelings. Many of you are aware I had um, burnout a couple of years ago and it was a, a real 
battle in a, in a lot of ways and, and part of it was just to acknowledge my need and I found myself in a place I'd never really talked much about mental health sort of stuff before that time and it was a dark place for me where I actually cared more about people knowing how much I was struggling than about getting better. Like I wanted sympathy more than I wanted answers. And it was a, it was a dark place to be in. And because of my personality as well, there weren't many people that knew the full extent of it, but it was this interesting, yeah, struggle. But a, a few things that I've, I've learnt over the past few years um, about just processing stuff when it's there. Like one is to move. <laughs> like I recall a trigger for me was just feeling under it um, at school with um, the end of a day, books to mark, the next day to plan and spinning my wheels and getting nowhere. Um, but just to get up and do something else and sometimes to do intentional exercise was just really helpful but that first thing of just get out of that situation if you can um, if you're in the middle of something and people depend upon you may, you may not be able to get out of it um, but if you can just to physically move can be incredibly helpful um, and then to be able to engage with others like last night I just felt under it but to spend time with my family just lifted my head and went oh it's not all about me and my feelings and what's going on. There's a, a bigger picture or to be able to, to serve other people. But when it comes to, to God, the incredible freedom that I've found in being real about what's going on for me in conversation with him. And one thing that I struggled about that process that we just did is that it is in your head. If you're doing the feeling and, and listening prayer, it's taking place in your head. And I don't know if you resonate with this, but praying silently often leads to thinking about praying silently, which leads to thinking about all sorts of other things. I practice and thoroughly recommend as much as possible when you're on your own, praying out loud. It hits it up twice. It's coming out of your mouth and going into your ears. I think that's a helpful thing. But also it's easier to stay focused in prayer as you do that. Um, and then the, the other part of actually declaring who God is. And we're about to do that together as we sing. We're about to make declarations about who he is, what he's done, what that means for us. And there's this expectation that he meets us where we're at. And whatever's going on for you, uh, I pray that you can see him clearly. And so I invite you to, to stand to your feet as I pray. Invite the band to come out and join Dave. And Father, we, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what that means for us. Thank you that we don't need to be stuck where, we're at, where we are, but we also can be honest and transparent about where we are. I pray, Lord, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing. And who you are. So we, we lift our eyes and we choose to focus on the author and the perfecter of our faith. We choose to focus on the one who died that we may have life, who humbled himself 
to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, you are amazing and you are worthy of all of our praise all the time. Help us to see you clearly. Hallelujah. Amen.